I have three sermons to preach to you today, and I'm going to preach all three of them at one time. Don't look at me so nervous, okay? Uh, I know where I am. I know what next Sunday is. I know my task for the month of December as we move towards the new year. And, uh, but I have this task on the seven churches, and we've went diligently uh, through the first four. And now these first three are heavily connected. Uh, and I, we've been teaching on the seven churches. And as we've taught, we've been talking about getting real with Jesus. And, uh, and I, I want to I look again at just Revelation 1, 10, 11 to open this where you ha- everybody knows, how many know the setting? Anybody know the setting of the church, of these letters? Anybody know the setting? So, okay, I didn't get everybody's hands up, so I'll have to re-preach that too, so four sermons now. Uh, the setting, John the beloved, John the apostle, uh, who never died from persecution, but suffered great persecution. They tried to kill him by boiling him in oil. He wouldn't die. They tried to starve him. He had bread that they did not know of. In this, t- in this moment, John is on the Isle of Patmos. He is left there to die uh, for preaching the gospel of Jesus. How many, how many know that a lot of people die because of the gospel of Jesus? Anybody hear that story about that young man went to the island? Did anybody read that story? Young man? Uh, from, uh, in fact, he was a graduate of Oral Roberts University and had a heart for a particular island that, where people had never heard the gospel. It was illegal to go there. And, uh, and there are a lot of people still saying it was illegal because people could catch a disease. Those people already have a disease. It's called sin, and it's killing them. And they need the gospel of Jesus. And that young man went and he was killed. They shot him with arrows before he ever got to do what he wanted. But around the world right now, people are hearing about this island where there are people that don't know about Jesus. Does that sound like another story that you've heard before? Uh, so uh, that's right, not for long. Most people are going to hear about Jesus. If we have to drop Bibles by helicopter, I'm telling you, they're going to hear about Jesus. But I was hearing about that. I was reading the Word just the other day, and uh, I've had a picture on my... Um, on my computer, I've just left it lay up there, of William Tyndale. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Anybody know? Anybody? How many have a Bible? Does anybody have a Bible? When it was illegal to translate the Bible into English, Tyndale translated the Bible into English and took over 6,000 copies right after the printing press was invented and smuggled them into England. Anybody remember these stories? All right, that's why you, why you have a Bible, that Bible that you don't read anymore. At one time, it was illegal to read it, and now we are living not reading the Word of God when it's available to us. He, came, he then came in, he was arrested for translating the Bible, and the king uh, had him executed. They strangled him to death and then burned him at the stake for translating the word of God that we take for granted. Am I, am anybody hearing me? I'm saying even today there are people that are dying for the cause of Jesus. Let's just praise God for people like that. Can we just praise God for people like that? That young man, let's give him applause today. So John is left to die, but he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. And... 
and the Lord begins to speak to him, and, and the revelation is a word from God that John wrote down as he was caught up to see things. Uh, he said, write the things that you see, write the, 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 the things that you see and hear. And so John does this in Revelation 1.10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a, a loud voice as of a trumpet. Jesus, I want to preach about that. I am the Alpha and the Omega, first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. And then the, the scripture goes on and speaks of the angels of the seven churches. And, and what we understand is the angels of the churches are those who are the messengers to the churches, specifically pastor leaders such as myself. And I tell you, as I studied this, uh, the Lord spoke to me and reminded me of, of my responsibility to you over and over again. I am heavily responsible to share with you this gospel of the Lord Jesus in, a, in an uncompromised way. And so it would be good if you would say amen, but it's okay if you don't, I'm still going to preach the truth, okay? Is that all right? Okay, so uh, get ready because you said amen. So today um, um, we're going to go getting real with Jesus, dead or alive. That's the message. Somebody shout dead or alive. Getting real, dead or alive. And uh, from the scripture, Revelation 3 and 3, beginning, we're going to talk about Sardis a little bit, but he, Jesus says this to the church. He says, I know your works that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Uh, hold on. <laughs> you have a name for being alive, but you are dead. Somebody shout, ouch. So today our purpose, I want to look at the last three churches all at once, and I want us to ask ourselves the question, what kind of church do we want to be? What kind of church does Jesus call us to be? And, and, and we see this problem as we look at this opening scripture, and it kind of reminds me of, you've heard me say this, one of my favorite scenes as a child growing up was a the Outlaw, Josie Wales. Anybody remember that old movie? Okay, now I remember old movies, and I, I still do. Uh, movies that will never be, some will never be made over. And I, when I read it, please don't go too deep with me right now, all right, when I'm saying that, all right, because I, I don't like, I didn't like Josie Wales' politics. I didn't like all the things he was fighting for. Anybody hear what I'm saying? But what I did like was that, that one scene, that one scene. All right, anybody remember Clint Eastwood? Remember Clint Eastwood? So he's standing in a saloon, and uh, a bounty hunter walks in and says, you're wanted, Wales. And then Clint Eastwood says, reckon I'm quite popular. <laughs> you a bounty hunter? Man's got to do something for a living. Josie Wales. Clint Eastwood, well, dying ain't much of a living. Boy. Go ahead, say it. Dying ain't much of a living. Say it. Dying ain't much. So as a kid, I just thought that was cool. I remember I graduated from high school, and I was working in a little restaurant there in Chillicothe, Ohio, scooping ice cream and at Friendly's and we used to all love that, you know, and we would 
me and my buddy, you know, I, I hired some of the guys that I graduated from high school because I was a night manager and I could hire some people. And, and so we'd scoop ice cream and serve sandwiches. And sometimes late at night, we would, one would come out of the dish room and somebody else would come out of the kitchen. We'd just look at each other. You a bounty hunter? <laughs> Dying ain't much of a living. Still remember my buddies. I tell you, it'll be my 40th high school class reunion. I'm going to go in this coming year, and we're going we're gonna to do Josie Wales when we get there. But that line means more to me now than it did then. Uh, you know, I don't care what you call yourself. I think a name should match an identity and a vision. That's what the Lord spoke to me about the name Freedom Fellowship about 17 years ago. The problem is... We've got to be more than a name. We've got to be more than our marketing. Come on, you understand that? Have you ever seen an advertisement like, I mean, you've been shopping, anybody been shopping recently? And you see something advertised and then you go and it's just, ah, it ain't that good. It's not what you thought it was. Does that make sense? You ever went to a restaurant? I mean, you looked at the picture. I'm telling you, I, you know, on occasion, I'll go to McDonald's. Anybody go to McDonald's? Okay, we will on occasion. Some people don't. We, you know, we never, we hadn't went to McDonald's in a long time, but they kind of redesigned them and you can sit back in a corner they kind of like this cool little place and we'll have a frappe and an egg sandwich and just sit there and act like we're cool and cheap at the same time <laughs> I look at those pictures of the food and I'm often thinking you know if the food was actually like those pictures anybody then I found out what they do with those okay actually there, there are special photographers who take pictures of food and they will, they will paint them up. They'll put varnish on them to make them shiny or squirt like all kinds of suds and things on them. Make them look like there's something. You wouldn't eat them if they w were like that, right? And you get that same piece of food, you know, it's all slapped together and squished. And I ain't going to pick on McDonald's. I'm just saying, I don't want to be that as a church. So... Uh, there are three choices that are clearly represented in these final three churches. Dead, alive, or lukewarm. That's your choice. And, and let me stick with my, my theme here, one, a dead or alive. What I, dead or alive. What I'm saying is, God loves you. And whatever the condition of your life is, that's why there are three letters. He's calling you on purpose. Now listen. If it didn't matter, he wouldn't have written the letters. Do you hear me? If it didn't matter, God wouldn't have even written them. Jesus wouldn't have said anything. Evidently, it is an eternal, of eternal consequence whether you were dead, alive, or lukewarm. So uh, I'm going to start with Sardis. Uh, the problem with Sardis is they were dead and didn't know it. Dead and don't know it. Say it. Dead and don't know it. And to the angel of the church at Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive but you are dead. You have a reputation that you are alive but you are dead. You have a name. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. You got some things that are dead and some things that are on life support. 
For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. And then he says this, hold fast and repent. Now, now notice that just as the Lord says to the church at Sardis, you have a name. That's, that's what he says. There are a lot of churches. I love church. Anybody else love church? I love church. I love churches all over the place. I love like driving around, looking at churches. I wish they'd all just let me go in and look around. I do. I just, I'm a student of churches. Diana have made it our business over the last year to get connected more with more churches and be better mentors than we have in the past and connect. Last year we uh, spent a couple of days at Mount Perrin Church with uh, 200 other pastors uh, and just gleaned and spent time. I spent time under the tutelage of Jimmy Evans for a day and I was just so overwhelmed that it was just the right time for me because of what God was saying in my heart. I, I'm just so full but I like church names and we kind of laugh at them on occasion. Uh, I like numerical church names. They crack me up. I like those, you know, like the First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist, First, Second Church of the Lutheran Brethren or something like that. You know, I, I like that. I want to know the stories. I always want to, what made you first and how come you're second? I always want to know that too, you know. Everybody don't have answers for me, that, but I do know that there are some churches that divided so many times and they got the first and the second and the third because we're the second. We ain't like them. We are the second ones. And then I like the heavy scriptural churches like Alpha and Omega Brooklyn House of Prayer and Macedonia Firstborn Church of the Living God and Jesus Son of the Living God Spiritual Baptist Church and More Than Conquerors Out Outreach Ministry Church and Divine Guide Tabernacle of Faith Church and Holy City Faith and Deliverance Ministry Center of the Love of God Church and Touch Not My Anointed Church and St. Andrew's Temple Church of the Living God. I love those church names. And then I walk around and look at some churches, like there's the, the gym church names. GYM Church, Empowerment Center, and Champion Church, and Church on the Move. It's like you should walk in and see exercise bikes in the lobby, you know. <laughs> and spa churches. I like spa churches. Because churches like spa names these days. I drive by chiropractic offices, and all the chiropractic offices sound like church names to me. I saw one the other day. It said Wave of Life Church. and I, or, No, it's chiropractor. It's what it was. It wasn't a church. Wave of Life Chiropractor. I actually saw it. Some people might go. You know, I go see Lou over at Good Hand, In Good Hands Chiropractic. You know? okay, these are churches. H2O Church. Fresh Life Church. Renovate Church, Wave Church. I ain't picking on them, I just my buddies. I love them over there, but they all sound like you ought to get a massage like halfway, you know? And if you tithe faithfully, you can have a massage on the way out. <laughs> we should pass out oil, not olive oil, but some, those other oils, you know, those, what do they call them? I can't it, What's that? Essential oil, essential oil, you know? How many know the Holy Spirit is the most... Okay, anyway. And then now we have random word churches. Just, just grab a word and call it your church. Relevant. Reality. Engage. Elevate. Dream. Freedom. 
since I'm picking on people, I just kind of gives your reputation, but your reputation can also be a smoke screen. Your name doesn't tell me who you are. Your works tell me who you are. Come on. What we find with each of these churches in Revelations uh, chapter 3 is God is more interested in your works than your reputation. Somebody shout works. I know you don't like the word works. I know we threw it out with the garbage last week. Somebody shout works. Shout it. Works. I know works don't matter. God ain't interested in works. I don't know what Bible you read. You're probably not reading the same one that Jesus wrote. Can I discuss works for a moment? Each of these churches are going to be held accountable for their works. There's a problem, but a problem is a good time for a reality check. Anybody want a God that will hold you accountable? Anybody want that God? Don't put your hands up because that's not what we want. We want a God that just kind of weak and say, that's okay, you're cute. That's what we want. Because when I say works, immediately you want to tell me, I'm not saved by works, I'm saved by grace. And you're accurate, but your understanding of works is the problem. Actually, what the scripture says in Ephesians 2 is this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is Ephesians 2, verse 8. And and verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are saved by grace for good works. Sometimes we think we are saved by grace and good for nothing. Does that make sense? I'm saved by grace. I don't do anything because I'm saved. First five books of your Bible were written by Moses. We call it the Torah, the law of God. And there are three types of law that are spoken of in the Torah, right? There is ceremonial law, sacrificial law, and moral law. Ceremonial law has to do with the way God's people would go to the temple, how they would celebrate feast days and perform feastly duties, much of which was also national laws. Ceremonial laws translated the customs of the nation. The words are often translated as statutes. Laws seem to focus the adherents' attention on God, instructions on regaining right standing with God. Like if you were a leper, how do you get to be declared as clean? Remembrances of God's work in Israel, specific regulations meant to distinguish Israelites from their pagan neighbors, dietary and clothing restrictions, and signs that point to the coming of the Messiah, which are these feast days and things. So that's ceremonial law. Then there is sacrificial law. Sacrificial law were all the sacrifices, the lambs, the bulls, the rams, the pigeons. That's right. How many know there were bird sacrifices? Jesus is... The answer to sacrificial law. Can I get an amen? Christ fulfilled the law. He became the last sacrifice. There's no more sacrifice. As far as animals, that is what the New Testament is talking about. When we talk about the law of God, Jesus fulfilled the law. Somebody praise God. 
Then we have the moral law. It's the representation of God's character. That's how God wants his people to live. And you have these laws in the Torah that are also, many of them are found in the New Testament, right? Listen, I can show you in the New Testament that you're not supposed to kill. You don't, come on, you don't kill. You honor your father and your mother. You don't commit adultery. Fornication is called sexual sin. These scriptures that we call the commandments are still there. But the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the power of the love of God and the love of God through the love of God through the Holy Spirit. He writes his word on the inside of us. Somebody ought to thank God for that. Meaning that God says to you, when you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to steal, you're not going to commit adultery, you're not going to covet. If you love God with all your heart, you're going to obey these things because your heart will be fixed on him. So the fact is that the new covenant, the only change we really have is we're operating off of the love, right? Meaning if we love people to love God, we're going to follow God's word and it's going to be an automatic thing because he's changed our hearts to follow his word. So don't let anyone tell you that Jesus died so that you could live in sin. Stop that. Look at me. Don't let the devil confuse you. Well, Jesus died on the cross so I can do whatever I want. Who lied to you? Who told you that? Come on, we're living, how many know we're living in that error? We're living in that error. Well, the grace of God got me. You sure you got the grace of God? Or did you get a cheap cheap religious substitute. I'm going to go ahead and preach this anyway. I bet I've been saved by grace. This, this doctrine that I've been saved by grace so I can live in sin is an affront to the cross. But works are more than what we should not do. Good works are what we've been called to do. Good works are the fruit of sanctification by the Spirit of God. The good works which Christians perform and which are sincere are acceptable to God under a dispensation of grace. Grace, Although they do not save us, they are what we are saved to. You might say, what are good works? Good work is when those who have accepted the grace of Christ actually perform God's will, actually obey his word and spiritual directives in response to the Holy Spirit, the love of Christ, and your new identity of righteousness in Jesus Christ. When you become a new creation, you were created for good works. Good works are important to God. Do I have to prove this to you? Ecclesiastes 12, 14. For God will bring every work into judgment. Revelation 20, 13. They were judged, each one according to his works. 1 Peter 1, 17. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's works, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. I like that. Your stay where? Right here. Conduct yourself while you're on the planet in fear. In Revelation, uh, excuse me, Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Revelation 22 and 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his We don't believe in works. Somebody shout, praise God for works. These verses say we're going to be judged according to God's work. So we have to learn, learn to distinguish 
between our belief and our behavior. Our belief determines where we will spend eternity. Our behavior determines how we will spend eternity. Praise God. I could give you a list, but then you would just do good things. Of course, you, you should be good, a good husband and a good father and a good son or a good daughter, and you should be in the house of worship and work in the kingdom of God. And yes, you should share the gospel and form the Great Commission. But if you just keep the list without responding to the compelling inner presence of the Holy Spirit, then you fall into dead religion, and you might think that you are alive when you are actually dead. Well, look at all the good things I do. How many know the good things that you do do not save you? The cross of Jesus saves you so that you will do the good things that you do. Anybody learning anything? Can I get an amen from someone? So works, just works, are dead. So let's look at some works just in the word of God. Here's some works. Be fully surrendered in Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So what is my body? What does my body belong to? What does it belong to? My body belongs to the Lord, right? This body is whose? It's the Lord. So why are you sleeping with who you're sleeping with right now? Do you hear what I'm saying? Present your body. What are you doing for the Lord Jesus right now? Come on, can I get an amen from someone? My body is the Lord's. I... God lost everybody just now. <laughs> Work according to your gifts. He goes on in verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering who teaches and teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Work according to your giftedness. Amen. I don't do nothing. Why? Why? Because I don't have to. Because I'm too busy. Quit. Stop that. I don't believe in the gift. What? Really? What does God's word say? Somebody shall get busy. Somebody shall get busy. Works. Love one another. How many know that's a big work? Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor. Giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. How many love the love of God that we experience here at Freedom? Anybody love is just that we love one another? That's a good sign. Amen? How many know loving each other can be work? I don't like people. Okay, love them anyway. Feed them. Take care of each other. Forgive everyone and humbly serve one another. In Romans 12, 13. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. You see this? So Sardis is a dead church that actually has works. They feed hungry people. They have a food pantry. They have discipleship classes and choirs. But they're missing Two elements. One, the Holy Spirit, and two, the love of God. So they're there, they're alive, they look alive, got a good name, but they're dead. Like 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I mean, Sardis has good church. The music is kicking. People are jumping off the walls and over their seats and swinging from the chandeliers, but they don't love each other. They do stuff. People standing up saying, God said this and God said that, but there's no love. There's no power. 
This is serious. How many believe this is serious? Revelation 3.1. Look again at Sardis. I know your works. He says, remember therefore how you have received and heard and hold fast and what? Repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Does that scripture ring any bells to anybody? Does that make any sense? I will come upon you as a thief. He says, you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. What? So there are people that go to church that the Lord will come upon them as a thief in the night. Anybody want to know the real word of God? I'm going to give you that fake stuff that makes everybody smile. Does anybody hear what that's saying? There are church people that will not be caught up. No, no, no. People who prayed the sinner's prayer. Well, I thought all you had to do was pray the sinner's prayer. I'm, I'm messing people up already. He says, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. Overcomes what? Their death. Living as a dead church. And I'll not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before. Frightening scripture because we know all about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 speaks of the great catching away of the church. This we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Uh, and he goes on to talk about this, the, the, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And, and those who are alive and remain uh, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What's going on here? Isn't this a strange scripture to anybody? Is this weird? And then he says in verse 7, concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you. For you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord. So comes as a thief of the night. What? What? A thief of the night? Has anybody ever heard that statement before? Okay, now here's the deal. There are people that know Jesus, but Jesus is returning Specifically, first of all, to catch away his beautiful, spotless bride. Busy? You You don't want this. Because some of you think that the Lord will rapture away people out of the bed with their lover. There are those here that believe that they can lie and cheat and steal. But because they pray to sinner's prayer at the rapture of the church, they're just going to go away and be with the Lord forever. Okay? I want you to know that there's a lot more to the return of the Lord than just the catching away. There is also a testing and a trying. And the time of trial is a blessing to those who have no works. Because it will give them an opportunity to work. I, I lost some people just now. Say, I ain't doing nothing for Jesus. I ain't been busy. I don't tell nobody about Jesus. I just come to church and dance. I'm happy for you. I'm glad you get your praise on on Sunday. But you need to get your Jesus on on Monday. Look, I, I'm responsible for the church. And this is what I believe. I believe we're in an age right now where it just doesn't matter to people. Listen, there are believers who are saved by grace who are alive, and there are believers who were saved by grace but are dead. And Jesus loves them all. And he's going to dress some in white and place a crown on their heads, and we're going to come back with him. And we're... 
I'm going to read. You haven't read the rest of this? I, I, I tell you, I, I've been caught up in this teaching this week so much. And A time of trouble is coming to the earth, but the bride of Christ will be caught up. Anybody ever heard of the teaching of the wise and the foolish virgins? They were all supposed to be apart, but some had trimmed their lamps and some had not. How many have read the scripture? Anybody know what I'm saying? All right, so there, there are those who have the audacity to believe that you are saved by grace so that you can continue in your sin and repentance is unnecessary. Okay, if you believe that, you will not miss the day of trial. Can I get a yes? There are those who are alive who have washed their garments, who have denied the flesh, and you will be caught up together and you will forever be with the Lord. So here, last night I was, I, I had a, a, a brief dream last night. I heard the trumpet of God last night. But I heard two trumpets. I heard a sound from heaven and a sound from the earth. And there was harmony. And God says, I want the sound that the church is making to be in harmony with the sound of heaven. Anybody receive that? All right? Because I'm a pitchy kind of a guy. If I hear pitchiness, I know it. I mean, I'll be right in the middle of worship and somebody get pitchy and I'll say, well, hallelujah. I just close that ear, you know. <laughs> but I heard heart. Somebody praise God. Somebody praise God. Listen, remember the teaching of Jesus. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Remember, the trumpet will, will sound. How many of you ever heard this scripture? Let no one steal your crown. What does that mean? How can I lose my crown if I'm saved by grace? He's talking about the reward. Your crown is your reward. It's your position. It's your station. All that believe will rise to life. However, they will not continue with the same reward. Crowns are the ability to rule and reign with Christ. They're reserved for believers who have not soiled their garments. We're working hard. Listen, for those who live carelessly and lies and adulterous, lovers of this world more than lovers of God. But it is by your fruit that you are known. Amen. Crowns, rewards. Preach, Pastor. Okay. Listen, Jesus is coming after those who are watching and waiting. I'm not saying that, that others will not make it into eternity. I'm not saying that because our salvation is whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. But the way you work determines what your afterlife looks like. Anybody want to hear the, the truth? Listen, Sardis, wake up. Don't sit back and pretend like you were something that you're not. Wake up. Reclaim your passion. He's calling you to hold fast and repent. Listen, if you're a part of Sardis and you're in this church this morning, I tell you, repent. Call upon the Lord. Return to the Lord. Live out an authentic Christian spirit-filled life. Okay, I, I nearly preached everything right there because then we have the church at Philadelphia. I preached a hard message. Let me talk about Philadelphia for a moment. Some Eagles fans are in the room right now and they want me to preach this, all right? <laughs> City of brotherly love. The angel of the church at Philadelphia write, these things says, he who is holy, he who is tr true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews but are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come out and worship before
before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command and persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Anybody read that? The powerful and persevering church. How many want to be that church? Anybody that church? Somebody shout, powerful and persevering. Shout it. Powerful and persevering. This is Philadelphia was the youngest church of these three. It was built as a missionary church. It was, it was a city filled with paganism. It, it was called Little Athens. It is filled with temples to the Olympian gods. And it was filled with money. No. It was pretty wealthy. But listen, in this church... They're going to go through some persecution. They're going to go through some difficulty. It's, uh, this is a community. There's a community of Jewish people that work with the Roman government there to bring persecution on the early churches. That was a common message. And they went through some struggle. Anybody remember that Kelly Clarkson song? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Anybody remember that? Well, she sings it a lot better than I do. So... Uh, I believe it's who we are. Anybody going through some struggles right now? Wave at me. Anybody going through any? Anybody had anybody look at you differently because you were saved, you know, because you believe in Jesus and you actually believe the word of God? Listen, listen, don't give up. Come on, even if you're going through it, be like the church at Philadelphia. Listen, listen. He, what he's saying is two things. I, I've opened a door that no one can shut. That means heaven is open to you. Somebody praise God. I'm, gonna, I'm going to, I'm opening some blessing. Uh, heaven is listening to you. You just keep trusting God. You keep believing in God. And then he does this too. You have a little strength. Anybody like that? God says you have a little strength. What does that mean? Have you ever looked at a little boy and just looked at, looked at his little muscle and said, you have a little strength? In other words, what he's saying, you're going to do something. You're going to accomplish something. I'm going to do something that is eternal, Jesus is saying. I'm going to reveal myself through you. And, and you have a little strength. You felt weak. You felt small. Uh, but, but you will not deny. You will not give up. Anybody ever felt like giving up on occasion? But you didn't. And then he returns to these catching away phrases again. In verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell in the world. Behold, I am coming quickly hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown anybody like the truth it'll set you free I love this promise rescue and reward and then he talks about the lukewarm church the church at Laodicea to the angel of the church at Laodicea right these things says the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. This is the, the, this is the wealthy and the rich church. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined as the fire that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, Therefore, be zealous and repent. Okay, this is not a dead church. This is a lukewarm church. And some people look at this very strange. Really, 10 miles to the south, there was a city called uh, uh, 
Arapolis, which was known for their hot springs, and then Colossae was known for their cold springs, which was to the north, and they had aqueducts that would bring water, so they had this really nice cold water. How many like a good cold drink on occasion? Anybody like that? How many like a nice hot drink? Okay, lukewarm is, I'm not a fan, okay? I'm just not a fan, and that's what he says. By the time the water has gotten to you, it's vomitous. So he's not saying, I want you to be cold. Like, just go ahead and live for the devil or live for God. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying, you are not appetizing at all. And mostly because you live in a city that is filled with wealth and you are prayerless and without power and without miracles and without true joy and without peace. You're caught up in the wealth of your culture. You say you have everything. You have hospitals and businesses and insurance and vacations and Super Bowls and 500 television stations and nice clothes and retirement accounts. And I'm talking about the last days American church right now. If you do not know what I'm talking about. We got everything we need. We don't suffer. We can do what we want. It doesn't matter. And we go ahead and compromise our faith with the culture so that the culture will like us because we want everybody to know that it doesn't matter what you believe. You're all saved. Can't we just hold hands and everybody get along and it doesn't... Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You can go down and visit Edgar Casey if you want to and you can have crystals and light candles and worship Buddha. It doesn't matter because you've been saved by grace and who really believes the Bible anyway. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? It's America. We got plenty of money. We don't have to pray for healing as long as we got hospitals and health insurance. Come on. We, we don't need to. And some of us are living like the devil and asking God to rapture us one day. We got plenty of cash, got plenty of money. I don't have to preach. I don't have to talk. I don't have to teach anybody. I don't have to help children. I don't have to serve. Come on. Thank God. Good old Pastor Ricky. He'll come preach me a sermon. And then I'll go home. I'll be saved all week. Do nothing for Jesus. Ain't no single person on the planet ever heard you tell them the gospel story. But somehow you got a crown waiting on you. It's our culture, it's our story. It's our nation and others like us who have decided that they're their own gods. A church that believes in its riches and does not realize that if they have anything good, it's only because of Jesus. Didn't even pause to give thanks to God during Thanksgiving. Do not give sacrificially. Really? Tithings, offerings, are you kidding? I'm beyond that, I'm saved by grace. Don't evangelize with passion or embrace the message of the gospel with urgency. Their children and marriages have faded into cultural non-existence and they serve themselves rather than serving Jesus. I know we don't like this message. I know it hurts. I understand. It's kind of like inoculating your children and saying, come on, it's going to stick for just a minute, but you're going to get through this. And then you're not, come on, anybody understand what I'm saying? Because in the Laodicean culture, they're addicted to validation. You're beautiful just as you are. Don't let anybody tell you what you need to do or how to improve your life. They are haters and bullies. Live the life that makes you the most happy because that's all that matters. We are addicted to validation in our culture. Just validate everything. Everything's got to be valid. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. It doesn't matter. It's okay. You just be what you want to be. Live how you want to be. And we raise our children in that culture. Nothing matters. Nobody really cares as long as everybody feels validated. But I don't hear Jesus. Jesus validating everybody. Amen. 
Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. You need your eyes healed. Did you hear all that healing? You need your eyes healed to see the hurting of your city, to see the demonic attack upon the next generation. You need to see how your apathy to bring the children to the house of God has allowed them to worship the kingdom of this world and feel successful with the job rather than a robe of white. I repent, oh God. And as we move into this last month, hear the voice of the Lord Jesus. In verse 20 through 22. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. What? We're supposed to overcome like Jesus overcame? Take up our cross and follow Jesus? Deny ourselves? Somebody shout amen. Amen. This is not as polite as you think, the standing at the door. In fact, everybody stand with me. Let me finish this. There's a song that reminds me of it. Wes called Reckless Love. (laughs) Standing at the door is not what you think it is, okay? We see standing at the door knocking as Jesus, kind of politely coming and looking around, checking to see if there's any cars in the garage getting his little pamphlets out that he's going to hang on your doorknob and then just coming up and just knock, knock. Because people don't like you coming to their doors these days. Just knock. Okay. I'm just going to keep knocking. If they let me come in, then I'll, I'll walk in. That's not the way these people understood this. Standing at the door and knocking was not even considered culturally acceptable. It wasn't polite. Because people didn't stand at doors and knock at doors. They stood out in the street and called. That's how they... Hey! Hey, Steve! Steve! I'm out of here if you'd like to... You know, that's what you do. If you knocked on the door, you were being intrusive and violating space. And so when I preach the sermon, some of you are saying, well, this doesn't sound like the Jesus I want to hear about. Yeah, it does. It's the real Jesus. That I was just... Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, Reckless love of God. And it's the tagline. It's the bridge. No shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. 
There's no wall you won't kick down. Uh, sh- uh, prayer workers, would you come and stand up here? My prayer workers, come and stand. Altar workers. Wow. Anybody coming back next week? So, that'd be nice. Just want, listen, I can't, I can't take care of Wave Church. I can't, I'm not in charge of the Episcopal Church around the corner. I'm not the messenger of the Methodist Church down on Great Neck. I'm not, I'm not the pastor of Holy Family. I'm the pastor of this church right here. And one day when the trumpet sounds, I want us to be in harmony with him. Anybody in agreement with me? I want everybody under the sound of my voice, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment and check yourself. Come on, check yourself. Check yourself. Am I busy in the Father's kingdom? Have I been avoiding him? Have I? What's really going on in my heart? What's really going on in my life? Have I been standing on the sidelines while the church has been marching? It would be a good day for me to just repent and grab a hold of the nailed, scarred hands of Jesus and say, no, from now on, I'm following Jesus. I will deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I, I repent. And I say, oh, God, my life belongs to you. I'm going to get busy. I'm going to let the gifts of the Spirit operate in my life. And I'm going to bring people into the kingdom of God. And, and if they know me, they're going to know the God that I serve. Even if they don't like me anymore, God's going to like me. I'm going to tell the truth. If you feel a little dead or if you feel lukewarm, your eyes are closed. Anybody feel a little lukewarm after this? Just wave your hand at me. Anybody feel, I just need to get closer. I need to draw in. I need to stop worrying about some things. I want to pray for you. And those of you that need to give your life to Jesus, those of you that need to be on fire for the Lord Jesus, those of you who would say, Lord, I repent of a false doctrine that says just saying a sinner's prayer is enough. Yes, I'm saved by grace, but I'm saved unto good works in this coming season. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to get busy for the kingdom of God. Those of you that would say, yeah, pastor, that's, that's for me. Come on, I'm calling you for prayer. I want you to walk boldly out of your seat and come and stand in the altar. Even if you don't stand for somebody to pray for you. Even if you just stand or you kneel in the altar and say, God, today I surrender my life fully to you. I give myself up. I belong to you. My life is yours. I surrender. You hear his voice. Don't harden your heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you now, everyone else in the room, I want you just to turn to somebody nearby you. I want you to look them in the eye and just ask the question, how did that message impact you? Just look at somebody nearby you, two or three. What's going on in your heart? And then I want you to take somebody by the hands and I want you to pray for one another. Holy Spirit, come. Let your love consume us. Let us walk in your grace and walk in your power. Go ahead, turn to somebody. If you don't know them, just say, hi, my name's Fred. Make up a name, whatever you got to do. And join with somebody and 
Share with somebody and just pray for a moment. Come, Holy Spirit. Do your good and holy and righteous work. I love you all. Listen, I love you all. If I didn't, I wouldn't preach the truth to you. I love you so much. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Give you peace. Be dismissed when you choose. If you're new to freedom, please join me. Join me in the Welcome Center.